I'm Amy, sex educator, sex and relationship coach, and co-owner of PurePleasureShop.com. I'm April, VP of the cutting-edge sex toy company Hot Octopus, and I dedicate my life to the business of sex. We are on a mission to teach you how to have hot sex, deep intimacy, and how to make your own rules for who you are as a sexual being. Welcome Welcome to to the the Shameless Sex Revolution. Want to learn more? Go to shamelesssex.com. And for 50% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use code SHAMELESSSEX at purepleasureshop.com. You are listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Well, hello, everyone. Hi, everybody. We're sharing the mic again. We're coming to you hot still from Mexico. Still hot and still forgot one of our cords. So, lo siento, but we're very happy to be here with you. And today we have a podcast with, who is it with, Jip? Orpheus Black, such a badass human. Oh my God. I loved interviewing him and you all are going to you're going to love it, too. I would say, like, you're just going to be obsessed with him like we are. And we actually have this on YouTube, and his whole background was, like, his, I don't want to call it, like, a sex palace. He's a very spiritual person, but he has, and has all these, like, candles. He makes leather oh, goods yeah. for BDSM, so he makes his own floggers. We didn't even include that, but he does. When we give you the website information, go check it out. Well, you, and you can see on the wall, if you go to YouTube, go to Shameless Sex Podcast on YouTube, and you can see he's here to talk about dominance for penis owners. So we've talked about dominance for all kinds of folks, but he's specifically speaking to if you have a cock and you want to learn how to be maybe a little more dominant, he knows some things for you. Or even if you want to improve on your dominance, if you already believe you're a dominant penis owner... You can also learn something. I learned so much. And he is a three-time leather title holder and 20 years dom in the BDSM world, y'all. So this is definitely who you want to listen to and learn from. And guess what else? This is our last shout-out for our book survey. Uh, We are going to write a book, and we want to know what you think about it. So just go to shamelesssex.com, and there is a link there if you scroll down, and it's takes maybe two to three minutes, five minutes at the most. I don't know. We read every single piece. I ask Amy all the time because she has the stats. I'm like, what what do people want to hear about? What should we put as a chapter? Most of them are like, April's really hot and she's really hot. No one said that. Um, Yeah, they did. But but that's not what the questions are. So go check it out. It it only helps us. It will not take too much time out of your day. Um, Also, I will do one more shout out to a workshop that I will be potentially teaching in Santa Cruz on October. October 16th. This is 2021. It's called Whole Body Foreplay Heavy Petting 101. April's petting me right now heavily, <laughs> but she's petting my head because with this class, my literally like my cabeza, um, because this class is not about genitals. It's about foreplay and how we can use the whole body to enjoy connection and intimacy. Uh, it's for couples, uh, pairs, partners, friends who are open to practicing with each other. I'm teaching with my dear friend Ian Stryden. When are you going to decide if it's going to actually happen or not? Um, uh, probably very soon. Let's see, what day is it? Da, 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 da. 10, 16 the class, right? Yeah, Six yeah. to nine? I, mean, I think we kind of have to just kind of base it on what's going on in the world and if it feels safe and secure. So right now it's a yes. It's in person. We're limiting the amount of people and it's in Santa Cruz, California from 6 to 9 p.m. Go to purepleasureshop.com and you can click on the sex education module link and that will show you where you can sign up. Are you going to lube anyone up with Uber Lube while you're there? Uh, if we like, get some people to sign up, yes. <laughs> I will. Oh, you know what I'll do, though? I'll bring lube samples for everyone. So you can all try Uber Lube because we talk about it all the time. Oh, my God. We ta- you brought some to Mexico and just gave it to this fabulous restaurant owner yesterday, and he was pumped. Yeah. He was pretty stoked. He also was probably a little nervous because it's a little odd when a stranger just hands you a bottle of the best lube ever. But <laughs> One time before. Yeah. And then I was like, hey, you want some lube? By the way, he has, a, he has a partner, and this is for him and his partner. I was not hitting on him. Okay, anyway, so why do we love Uber Lube so much? Well, it is the best silicone lubricant on the market, if not the best lube on the market. Actually, fun fact, I got an email from a friend today who has tried Uber Lube, loved it, went to a sex shop. They didn't have Uber Lube, and so he bought something else, and then he tried it. It tasted like bad chemicals. It did not feel good. He essentially was like, where's my Uber Lube? So, I mean, it's that. That good people know 
This is also what the person said yesterday that you gave the loop to. He was like, beautiful bottle. I love it. I was like, it is nice, right? It's gorgeous. So it's in a beautiful glass bottle as a pump top. But the highlight of it is how it feels on your body and how it performs. It has no flavor. It has no scent. It feels silky. You actually want it on your skin. We have over 3,000 doctors, therapists, etc., medical professionals on board in the U.S. that are recommending this to their patients, clients, and how long have we loved it? Forever? I, b- way before we ever started the podcast, we were using it regularly. And I've been to so many of your trainings talking to p- retailers all over the country that love it too. And I'm always like, yeah, but it was the best. And for tattoos. Okay. My partner got a new tattoo. He put it on a new tattoo and it was fun. It's a good skin conditioner. And when April and I were young zygotes in the womb, we were communicating from afar and we we're like, bitch, do you love Uberloop? And she's like, yeah, I love Uberloop too. So if you want to join the club, go to uberloop.com. And you can use coupon code SHAMELESSSEX. You get 10% off and free shipping. And you can join the fan club and you will know what we are talking about. And when you use it, you can think about us because we might be using it at the same time as you. All right. Are you ready for a sex question? My sex question is, if I put on a full body latex suit, could I lube it up? Yeah. Lube. Yeah. Same. Totally. 100%. And it's compatible with all condoms. <laughs> Except for, let's see, polyurethane, not so friendly, but latex, polyisoprene, the best. Okay. Um, I like that this person who wrote the sex question titled it, Hey, Chip and Dip. Uh, I'm Dip. She's Chip, by the way. So, hey, Chip and Dip, all the way from Australia. My partner recently started playing with Dirty Talk, and it feels very scripted, like it's from a porn video and honestly kind of dampens the mood. Every time he talks dirty, he will use the same script, and sometimes it doesn't even correlate to what we're doing. I know you guys recommend doing a quote-unquote shit sandwich. (laughs) And I have tried this method before, but my partner is very sensitive when it comes to talking about sex and discussing things I may not like. How do I let him know that I'm just not that into how he's talking dirty? Hmm, What do you think? I'm running through a whole scenario about some of the porn I've watched in the past where it's the cable person coming in, the cable guy, and like, hey, and it feels so inauthentic. And I just flip forward to the actual penetration scene where I'm like, yeah. Which one? The one where he's already got his clothes off and he's like, I'm going to dip my antenna into your, (laughs) into your vagina. That sounds painful. (laughs) I usually go fast forward to just the anal scene and I like the the initial penetration, but they never show you all the lube and the prep that goes in. But anyways, that's not (laughs) what they're asking. So, (laughs) um, so it feels scripted. Yes. And we've talked about this. Okay. Well, Oh my God. Hey, will you Google right now? April's going to Google it. The episode with, um, Amber who wrote the, or did the one on dirty talk and she's fucking hilarious. Her name's Amber. And if you go to shamelesssex.com and you look up Amber, it'll come up. Anyways, a couple of tips about dirty talk that I've heard. And you're actually not asking, uh, how do we do dirty talk? You're saying, how do I actually talk to my partner about this? First, what I'll say about dirty talk, though, great advice is to make it playful and to just speak to what's happening, like what's happening on the touch in your body and just kind of doing like a play-by-play. How to talk to your partner about something that's very sensitive when we, when we have these conversations, it often brings up some sort of feeling like wrongness. I'm not good at this. And especially, I just, I'm going to generalize this. I think a lot of penis owners have been told that they are supposed to know everything. You found it? What is it? Amber Lee. Ooh. Phone sex and dirty talk with Amber Lee Rothfield. Episode 164. We also did a very early episode. Episode 4, Pussy, Praising, and Sexy, a.k.a. Dirty Talk. Mm. Remember that one? We were in a hotel room in Utah. We were like, yeah, ah, dirty talk. That's hot. <laughs> so go check those ones out. Um, but how did, so the shit sandwich, if you're new to shameless sex, you're like, what the fuck is a shit sandwich? Because that does not sound sexy. The shit sandwich is when we say something really nice in the beginning, it is authentic. It's not bullshit. So it's, wow, April, I really love that you're telling me how much you want to lick my pussy. And, not but, and what would work for me even better is if you would tell me that you want to also lick my nipples and grab my breasts and caress my thighs. I'm So people call it a compliment sandwich. I just call it a shit sandwich because when I hear it beginning with a compliment and I'm waiting for the critique, I call it the shit sandwich because the shit's in the middle. 
<laughs> well, and that's butt. Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> God, we're on one today. Mexico. Uh, anyway, so what I would suggest is, one, be okay with the fact that your partner might take be, be take it offensively, might be offended. Because some people, we can say as nice as we want, and they still come up with this feeling, not come up, they still go through a process of wrongness, not good enough. And Sometimes we have to let them sit in that, but you don't try to fix them. You don't try to tell them what they should or shouldn't be or like, or defend yourself. Okay. I understand that this is really hurtful and really hard for you to hear. Um, but I'm actually, and here's the way you sell it. I'm saying this because I want more connection with you. I want more love, more sex, more eroticism. It's not because there's anything wrong. I have a suggestion. We're sharing a mic. So I am taking the mic and my suggestion, if you have any pointed bits of dirty talk that you love from porn or that you have heard him 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 say before uh perhaps you could guide him into what you're interested in hearing in the dirty talk situation because there's certain things that might turn you on that you've heard uh, maybe watching a porn or maybe on a not not on a porn at all maybe a sexy movie of some sort did we watch his vintage one? Green Door? No, no, not. It wasn't even porn. It was like a vintage R-rated. Remember Vintage Nights? Nine and a half weeks. Yeah, nine and a half. Oh, if you haven't seen Nine and a Half Weeks, oh, geez. So, I, I, from your expertise, Amy, getting examples might help guide this human, right? Even though he, it says he's very sensitive, maybe that would be okay to bring it up with a shit sandwich and then guide him in with maybe a whiteboard of, these are my favorite topics of sexy talk. Or, or another idea is, don't even bring it up as, here's the thing that I want more of or less of. Let's play a game. And let's all write out our erotic fantasies. Like, how about you sit over here and I'll sit over here. And we write out like a three-page thing of all the things we want to do each other, do to each other. And then we read them. But then we can compare and contrast on the ones that actually turn us on. So when you said this, that really turned me on. We said that, not so much. And so you make it an active game where no one's actually saying, I don't like when you say that. It's more like, oh, that's hot. And this one's maybe not really getting my pussy on fire. There's so many ways to play with it. But I the, I think the, the piece in the beginning is just some people just might have a hard time hearing anything about not being the best. And that's okay. We can All we can do is try to speak it as lovingly as possible. And if we can make it real fun, then, well, kudos to you. Even better. I wish I was better at an Australian accent because they came from Australia so I could talk dirty in the Australian uh, accent. I have to, no, I can't. I have to watch Crocodile Dundee for a couple <laughs> uh, sessions before that. There has to be, the, the, there are so many like hot ways to hear dirty things that aren't even dirty. So like that aren't porn star things. You can just say, Amy, you have really hot dresses in your closet right now and i really want to put them on you but then grab a pair of scissors and then slowly cut them off and then i'm gonna choke the fuck out of you with it. okay anyway so we're gonna read a bio now april read us a bio I want to open this bio by quoting Orpheus Black because he said something that was, I think, inspiring. Spiritual BDSM is simply one's desire to reverence other and be reverenced by others. To be seen as not just a body, but as a complete entity. I like that. So here we go. Let's learn about Orpheus. Orpheus Black is a Los Angeles-based public speaker, teacher, thought leader, and somatic visionary who specialize in the application of ancient wisdom in modern day settings. Orpheus aims to propel the intellectual and sensual evolution of masculinity, both by challenging men to reconnect with its roots and by inviting them to embrace manhood in its fullest. In his role, he shares insights, offers tools, and speaks against societal norms of shame and repression. Orpheus regularly provides guided lessons at world-famous staples in the S&M community, and he has been recognized by news resources like Mashable.com, Playboy, Marie Claire, and Ebony. 
To learn more, visit OrpheusBlack.com. That's O-R-P-H-E-U-S-B-L-A-C-K.com. But first... It's 2021 and technology is everywhere. So why not upgrade your pleasure device with some cutting edge technology from Satisfyer? Satisfyer makes beautiful yet affordable vibrators and air pulse stimulators that are Bluetooth enabled and pairs with the Satisfyer Connect app. That's right, you can turn your phone into a remote control, create custom sequences that are perfect for you, and even use the app to play with power dynamics. Take control of your partner's device or give up control to see what your partner has in store for you. I recently took my dual pleasure satisfier with me on a work trip and loved how my partner and I could have a sexy session together even though we were hundreds of miles away because Satisfyer's app lets you connect with someone in another room or around the world even if distance has you disconnected. And Satisfyer is offering our lucky listeners 30% off any Satisfyer when you go to Satisfyer.com and enter code SHAMELESS30 at checkout. Again, if you're looking for one of our favorite new devices, go to S-A-T-I-S-F-Y-E-R.com and use code SHAMELESS30 for 30% off. All right, let's dive into the interview. All right, everyone, it is interview time, and we are here with Orpheus Black. And uh, uh, if you are not watching on YouTube, I highly recommend going and checking out the Shameless Sex Podcast YouTube because we have some videos that are going there, and you can see Orpheus's uh, beautiful room. There's some paddles and floggers on the wall next to the bed. The Orpheus layer. Ooh, layer. Orpheus. yeah. Some magic happens in there. It's like a sexy Today, bat yeah. cave over there. Yes. <laughs> I, want, I want a sexy I want to go into your sexy bat cave. So this episode, you already heard a little bit in the bio. We are going to talk more about dominance, how to step into a more dominant role, specifically spoken to, to and towards um, penis-owning individuals, uh, people who identify as men, etc. So without further ado, we always start with the same prompt, Orpheus. Can you please tell us how you got to where you are today in the world of sexuality, both as a professional and in your personal life? Yeah. Um, I got into this lifestyle because I was poly, right? And this is poly before anyone really knew what this was. There was no internet chat groups. There was no, there was no prompts to, or anything. And I had a partner who was into kink and I had no idea what kink was. And in fact, she left me for a dom. And I thought that the dude's name was Dom. This whole time, I was like angry at some dude named Dom or Dominic or something like that or Demetrius. And um, when it didn't work out for them, she said, I want to introduce you into a lifestyle that I think would be absolutely amazing for you. And she took me to a dungeon. And, you know, it was in the goth industrial club. And I had no idea what goth was. Right. And so I show up. Of course, it's Hollywood in my hip-hop outfit, you know what I mean? The crushed velour, powder blue, Georgetown, Hoya sweatsuit, and my, my girls are matching outfits, and we show up, and the this first thing that happens, security's like, you know this ain't hip-hop, right? This is not hip-hop night. You probably want to go in a different direction. <laughs> I'm like, no, man, open up the door. I'm, I'm ready. I know what's going on. Just let me in. And they let me in, and I swear the whole club stopped. Not only are we the only black people in this place, we are the only people not wearing powder makeup, mohawks, eyeliner. You know, we're, we're in bright, vibrant colors, right? And, and to my left, I saw a man suspending a woman in a crucifix. He's standing six feet up, standing on her throat with a high heel. He's wearing, you know, all this feminine garb, and, and, and she's loving it. And I think to myself, yeah, I could do that. <laughs> and ever since then, I never looked back. So I came in as a professional. I started training immediately that week. I, I, the person who was choking that woman with her high heel would become my mentor and one of my best friends of uh, all this time. And so for me, that was my introduction into this lifestyle. And I've never done anything other than this for 20 years. Wow. I think you might want to do voiceover because you have a fantastic voice and you're a great storyteller. I could see you like doing voiceover stuff. I'm like, oh, I felt like I was there at that club, the, the gothic club with you and the velour. I still I wear a lot of crushed velvet. Stuff, okay? I, still in style. I love myself some crushed velvet. So <laughs> we need to see so, pictures. We need to see pictures. Okay, I, <laughs> probably last Friday I had some crushed velvet on. So don't don't hate me for that. I love it. So, OK, so. What if uh, 
so okay sorry let me backtrack what is the difference first of all between a lifestyle dom and a professional dom and how does being a lifestyle dom show up in relationships Mm, that's a really good question how does being a lifestyle dom differ than being a pro dom you know first of all we get paid. That's the major thing, right? And also the financial motivation is really the reason that those two people are engaging. For me, um, it is not about uh, my own personal enjoyment, what I derive from it. It's about that person's experience. I'm a facilitator in that space. A person comes to me looking for a very specific experience, right? We talk, we negotiate, we create safe words, we create safe containers, and then we move into a space of facilitating their experience. I shelve my desire so that they can have this opportunity. When we're talking about lifestyle people, what we're doing is something that's mutually beneficial. We're looking for some mutual joy, mutual pleasure, mutual pain, right? We're looking for mutual gratification. Both people are enacting something that is deeply connected to their sex, their sexuality, and their joy. So for me, that's the major differences. The Also, too, um, there's a lot of education that goes into being a pro-dom. Now, anybody can call themselves a pro-dom. Anybody can grab a flogger and charge a price. But when you're with a professional We've taken classes, got mentorship. We, you know, first aid is another thing that, you know, people don't talk about a lot that I've taken and have to get recertified in. You know, uh, I was, a, I have first responder training as well in order to try and really uh, be the best person that I could for my clients, right? Maybe that would be great for people in the lifestyle, but they often overlook certain things like mentorship and a lot of classes to really dive in. Usually they just start right in. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And so do you identify as both then in your personal life and in your your uh, professional? professional life? Oh, definitely. You know, here's the thing. Power dynamics are a part of every facet. It doesn't matter whether it's boss, secretary. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's child, parent. It doesn't matter if it's police, patron. It doesn't matter. There's always a power dynamic. So in some ways, we are all lifestyle dominance right or we're all lifestyle submissives we're because you're playing the subordinate role to your boss uh or to the contractor on the court or somewhere so uh somewhere out there you know or you're so into the supportive role supporting a boss supporting someone else who's in charge helping to make the dream come true so there's never time where we're not in the lifestyle Right. It just re- yeah. it's just whether it involves intimate behavior. Yeah, that makes sense. And so what if some I think a lot of our listeners might be um, they might be ad- more advanced in the kink world or in the world of dominance and submission. Um, and, but I think most of them are more in the beginner or such intermediate. Maybe they have some curiosity. So I'm, I want to ask about some what you would recommend for someone who wants to get in, more into their dominant power. They want to step forward into that, whether maybe a partner has asked them and say, I want you to be more dominant. I really want more dominance in the bedroom. Or maybe they themselves want to step forward in that, but they don't feel like they've tapped into that part of themselves. Do you have any tips or ideas on how they can do that? Yeah. <clears throat> the first thing that I try and tell people about dominance is there's a difference between dominance and domineering, right? If you want to take a leadership role in pursue your sexuality, then do that. What is it that you want? Check your desires. Really resource yourself. Really examine what you want, how you want it, and who you want it from. Because that's really important. There's lots of things that I want to do, but I don't want to do that with everyone. Right? Maybe you don't want to do that with your wife, or maybe you don't want to do... So really think about what you want to do with this person. Then think about how you want to step into power. Is it just in the bedroom? Right? Or is it more domestic? Do you want more domesticity around your, uh, hey, I want my coffee served at this time, and I would like you to wear this, and I'd like you to dress like that. Maybe that's your kink, right? Or maybe it's just smacking bottoms or, or pulling hair. Maybe that's your kink. Whatever you're into is what's important, right? So be dominant at what you want to do. You don't have to do it all. That's the first step. Bite-sized goals. The other thing is really understanding what kink means. 
Kink is defined as any deviation from what you think is normal sexual behavior, right? So here's an exercise that I like to do with all my clients, right? I'll say, you know, divide a paper in half and then divide it into fours. In the first column, what I want you to do is tell me what is normal sexual behavior. Now, most of the time you say, oh, blowjobs, handjobs, you know, rimming, whatever it is, right? The next question is, what do you do that is not or outside of normal sexual behavior? Because we all do something, right? And so then we can see, oh, I am actually doing something <laughs> that I don't consider normal sexual behavior because kink is personal. It's subjective. It's not just flogging. It's just, for me, flogging is normal. Look, I have it up in my room. I floggers. <laughs> I got knives. I got fire over here. You know, I got vibrators everywhere. To me, that's normal. Right. So everyone's level of deviation is different. Then I say, what is it that you want to do that you're not already doing? Right. The last category is why. What is the impediment keeping you from moving into that space? And if you look at it, the first one is in our, our indoctrination. The things that we've been told we're supposed to do by our parents or religion or whatever, but we always buck that in our teens and in our college years, right? And then we move into this other space of complete sexual expression. Your sexual expression, the way you do it, is kink, right? Because it's different than what you've been told it's supposed to be. What you fantasize is your shadow. That's the thing you're struggling with incorporating. Some people might say, oh, well, I want to do anal, but there's some religious taboos or you, or person's going to think I'm dirty or I don't know this or I don't know that. All of that is your shadow. And it usually doesn't have language, pre-verbal, right? You just have feelings about it. We have fear, we have scarcity, or we have shame, but we don't have language for it, right? And then we have all the excuses why we're not doing it. So for me, when you want to step into your dominance, start with accepting what you're already doing and improve on it. Mm. Look at your fantasies and start trying to bring language to it so you can articulate it to your, your partner, right? Then talk to them about the difficulties that you're having around maybe the shame or the blame or, or the anxieties uh, that are coming up. Taking a leadership role in your own pleasure is dominance. What do you guys think about that? I am in love with that descriptor of kink and uh, the the things that you in in your sex life and world uh, that you not only fantasize about but like that you that you talk about or have normalized for yourself. This is great because what I was associating it with is I I've been in the sex toy industry, pleasure products, and um, now with our podcast, like the world of pleasure and sex for almost twelve years now, maybe 13. And to me, I talk about butt plugs, anal, vibrators, sex (laughs) all the time. And I forget sometimes I'll be at lunch with Amy or out and talking about sex toys or, or my anal beads, or we're out of this, we're out of (laughs) anal beads right now. And then I look around and people are like, like, whoa, like I, I forget it's taboo for some folks. And the thing is, there's so much curiosity to learn more. And that's why these platforms exist. And I just think that your analogy, but it's not even an analogy. It's like the, it's, that's fact to me about what you can proclaim kink to be for you. And the floggers in your bedroom is, is completely normal. You're like, this is me. This is who I am. And I think, um, I think you nailed that. that it's com- <laughs> like professor, I'm the student. You nailed it. I'll remember that. <laughs> Thank, you really- so Thank you so, so much. Thank- power dynamic already. Yeah, I, know. I, I was like, tell me more. So, okay, let's talk. A- there's, let's talk about this, this whole toxic masculinity mm. uh, piece that's, it's been around, uh, in, in more conversations these days. What do you think the dominant healthy masculine looks like both in and out of sexuality? Mm. Big, this, big question. This is the one I always get in trouble for. <laughs> I'm going to say it because I truly believe it. And, and again, I'm going to supply you with uh, the full explanation. Um, here's, the, here's the thing. Masculinity is a barometer by which a society measures what, a, what it values in masculine-bodied individuals. 
So let me say that again. Masculinity is a barometer by which a, a society measures what it feels is valuable in its male-bodied individuals. Give you an example. You know, uh, the win-it-all-cost attitude, virility, speed, strength, right? Tenacity, all those things that football players have, soldiers are supposed to have, you know, combatants. But when you look at it, the same things that we're fostering in those in those behaviors, in those places are great. They will help your son survive a war. They'll help your your people win a football game. They'll help your your guy run farther, jump higher, do all the things, train harder. But it's not the same thing in the bedroom. That same behavior does not make for a good love relationship. And that's actually what we're interpreting as toxic masculinity, the wrong behavior at the wrong time. Hmm. Okay. So again, that same jerk that's catcalling, you know, hyper, you know, really strong, really in his body, really in his, his thing, that guy usually does great on the battlefield. Right. But when you're at home talking to non combatants, talking to civilians, that behavior doesn't work. So for me, when we talk about healthy masculinity, what I'm saying is I get to dictate what we measure as healthy masculinity, being a good father, being a good friend, being a good lover, right? Showing up for my people. You know, when you are, are putting up the things that are to be measured, you can't fail. You can't fall short, right? Be the best employee, be an inventor, be an entrepreneur, make that the barometer by which you're measuring masculinity. You do not have to run, jump, uh, get the most girls. That's a, that's a toxic society because if you have toxic masculinity that value, I mean, a toxic society that values that, then it's the society is toxic. So that's not as inhabitants. When one person's sick, they make other people sick, right? Till we're all sick. So we have to get out of this idea that masculinity is a thing. It's not a thing. It's a measurement. And we can measure whatever we want, whatever you like, right? And in that way, there's no failure. What do you guys think? I love the way that you worded that. And I think that when when you're speaking to, I I like the emphasis on it's what society's, idea about what masculinity is. And I think that I want to say that I have compassion for people who maybe fall into the toxic masculinity category, just as any of us when we're not being our, I mean, doing air quotes here for real, highest selves, Mm -hmm. you know, our most loving selves, our most caring selves. And I like what you said also about, I show up for my people. You know, I'm not battling everyone to prove my worth. I'm actually, I'm showing up for people. And I think that that's, that's huge. And I think that there's a lot of socially constructed ideas about what it means to be a man or alpha or masculine or strong. And it means you have to dominate and you have to control and manipulate and destroy and conquer and be the number one or the biggest voice in the room uh, when really that's a whole bunch of bullshit that's mm-hmm. just it's not and, and it then and they don't end up getting what they want in the long run i mean maybe they do temporarily it's kind of like you know being a bully you get what you want for a minute but ultimately you're still hurting inside because we know that's what you, how you feel bullies we know that you're just hurting inside and <laughs> um, and so it's it's kind of like um people that have been conditioned to just continue to be big tantrum throwing babies and I, this isn't just the masculine by the way everyone the feminine does it too i'm yeah. not and i'm not saying this is just is just men and penis owners i like um, the measurement piece too. yeah right totally. and the barometer can we use a thermometer too yeah, <laughs> yeah thermometer and a barometer, yeah yeah definitely it's getting hot. Yeah. It's getting hot check the yeah. temperature on that one you need yeah. That, yeah. You, you, well and i think oh well i said when i think of the kink world too and a lot of the dom men that i've seen they have this strong dom to them but then also I could see their bottoms feel very safe with them the people they're working with they feel very cared for so you can still be like either I'm going to punish you and humiliate you but I care about you you know you can still have all of that and again you don't have to be a jerk to be a dominant it's funny as soon as people slip into when I see people slipping into role play and they're like oh I'm going to play the dom and you're going to play the sub they slip into jerk right off the bat you know or overbearing or dramatic or you know not caring right Being a good leader is being a dominant, right? Being responsible for the people that you're with is being a dominant. You know, stepping to a position of passion, not worrying about how society views you and stepping into the role that that person needs you to step into, that's leadership, that's good dominance. And for me, it took a long time to step out of this presentation, 
Because really what we're doing is we're presenting as dominant. Most people are not dominant. It's just not, just like there's, most people are not shy, you know? So, so we got to say, most people are not dominant. They're presenting as dominant. So for me, if we're going, if it's not who you are and you have to fake it, you don't have to fake what you think is the worst parts about it. Hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's really important that we understand that the psyche is, is the sexual psyche is revolves around presentation, um, presentation, suppression and repression. Right. So we present the version of ourselves that we think society wants to see. That's why we try to do the Joneses. That's why we talk about the Smiths. We talk about, you know, looking in someone else's yard. Right. But who we are is what we suppress. The bulk of who we are is what we're suppressing. Kink helps you get at that. Because kink is saying, tell me about your real desires, not the things that people told you you want to desire. Right? Tell me what you really want. It's almost like that Lucifer TV show. What do you desire? And then they start speaking from that really, that real place. Right? And that takes faith and trust. Right? Two things that kink, when it's done right, fosters. Okay, time for a quick break. This podcast was made possible by Foria. What if I told you there's a line of intimacy products that can change the way you experience pleasure, can enhance your arousal, and open the door to bigger and better orgasms? Well, there is. Enter Foria. Foria's formulas are made with all-natural, sustainably grown ingredients to give people what they need to fully embody our most sensual selves. Every time I use the Awaken Arousal Oil with CBD on my precious bits, I feel increased sensitivity, more blood flow, and my orgasms are unbelievably heightened. It's like my pussy is praising me for putting it on. Foria is a pleasure game changer and will help remind you that your body can do amazing things and that you deserve to climax every time. Go get it now because Foria is offering a special deal for our listeners. Get 20% off your first order by visiting foriawellness.com shameless or use code shameless at checkout. That's F-O-R-I-A wellness.com forward slash shameless for 20% off your first order. I recommend trying their Intimacy CBD suppositories because they're perfect for penetration and you can use them vaginally or anally, helping you relax your muscles and ease tension. Check it out. You'll thank me later. This podcast was also made possible by OMGS.com. OMGS is a research-based online program that teaches you all about how to pleasure the pussy. OMGS studied thousands of vulva owners to find out how they orgasm and then made beautiful animated modules and super honest short videos to give you ways to reach even more pleasure. I've been recommending OMGS to my clients for years and it's been changing their lives. We all know pleasure is fluid and ever-changing, so why not add more tools to your pleasure tool belt? OMGS is for everyone, so whether you are a vulva owner or you just love vulvas, OMGS will give you the techniques to get your O face on. There are two seasons to choose from and hundreds of gorgeous videos to explore. So go see what science says about pleasure and visit omgs.com slash shameless. That's omgs.com slash shameless to get $5 off your OMGS access. Again, omgs.com slash shameless. Go check it out. Now back to the show. I like the you have these uh you also have one that we we talked about when we had a, a meeting before we were recording about PAC P A C K which I want you to dive into for folks cuz I like these these um well they're obviously acronyms uh, yeah, yeah I love They're acronyms. Acronyms. I was going to say an onomatopoeia, but that's not what I <laughs> But I love an onomatopoeia. Right. So can you, it, and these are the four keys to things that help folks develop their personal masculine. Yes. So can you talk about what does this entail and um, talk about PAC for people and what that is as well? Because I love these associations. Thank you so much. Power, authority, creativity, knowledge. Those are the four things that every dominant has to have when they go into this space of dominance. Uh, power means the ability to operate in accordance with your own will and or desire. If you can't advocate on behalf of your own wants, needs, and desires, then you have no power. Right? You cannot go into a sexual situation like, I don't know, 
whatever you want to do and think that you're a dominant. You have to search yourself for what you want, what you need, what you crave, what you hunger, what you long and lust for. That is what we're looking for when we're talking about stepping into our power. Authority, right? There's two sides of this coin. One, I'm authorizing someone to act in accordance with their will, to use their will over me, to use me as an extension of their desire. That's one version of authority, right? Well, there's also two, will you authorize me to use my power over you, right? That's the consent piece. That's the consent piece. Creativity, to not just look at these things as props, the toys, the tropes, right? To really drop in and say, how can I use this as an extension of my sexuality? How can I help this be a conduit by which we better connect and drop deeper into this power dynamic that we've just created, right? And then the final key is knowledge, knowing how to do it all safely, Hmm. right? Because at the end of the day, to quote Stan Lee, with total power comes total responsibility. You have to have enough knowledge to be able to keep you and your partner emotionally safe, physically safe, sexually safe, right? That's super important. And so I use PAC as a really easy word of remembering power, authority, creativity, and knowledge. I love that. I think that's really helpful. And uh, PAC backwards, if it was an onomatopoeia, it would be PAC, but it's a Cat. <laughs> cat. Yeah, but, yeah, it's not an view. but I like this and I love especially also the consent piece and just is what a responsibility is to be in the authority role um, or the dominant role and um, to not necessarily take that lightly and I highly suggest you will talk later about how people can find you because you have so many offerings and how people can work with you and learn from you um, and we shared some in the bio but we'll share more of that later but for people to who want to step into this role to really take it seriously and to learn and to gain knowledge and if you're in a submissive role or any other roles basically if you want to yeah. just learn more about anything in the kink world i think uh knowledge is power you have right your powers oh power but we got two of them and authority <laughs> and yeah all of the above um so i'm you you have a really strong spiritual practice we talked about this before the recordings we know this about you and i'm, I'm sure it's in your bio as well how does this all pertain to sexuality and dominance how are do- sexuality and um, se- and spirituality and dominance linked like how do they all relate well you know one of the ma- main uh, mistakes that people make is to believe that these kink dynamics are rooted in trust. They're not. They're rooted in faith, belief in the absence of proof. When you first meet somebody knowing that you're going to go into this space, you don't know if they're going to be a psycho killer or if they know how to use the toys or if they have the knowledge to keep you safe. You base it on faith. You want to believe them. You want to go into that fantasy world. You want to have this experience. And that is really interesting because it comes from a very spiritual place. Uh, striving for deep and meaningful connection, right? And one of the things that we have to remember, too, on the other spiritual side, is that in the Hindu version of desire, the definition or the Sanskrit version is desire comes from a place or need to feel complete and whole. So when you bring desire and faith together, belief in the absence of proof, and a deep and meaningful need to feel whole, you can see that kink is actually a spiritual place to play because we're coming with our desires. We're coming with faith, right? And we're desiring that connection. We're looking for something that's going to be that missing piece to what we've always knew was out there. And now this is our opportunity to find it, to become whole. Right. So stepping into that power dynamic with someone who wants to yield, to submit, to be guided, to be led or, you know, being led, having someone guide you, having someone take the initiative. All of that can be a deeply spiritual practice if we just look for it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I, and I think a lot of people think of the kink world as being um, really disconnected from deep connection, from oneness. And I remember when I did uh, Barbara Corellis's Urban Tantra's professional, pro, Urban Tantra professionals training, it, it was had a big overlap between Tantra and kink. Right. And she was talking about how this energetic exchange between two or three or four people in a scene, um, what, even if there's a lot of like, you know, spanking, maybe some piercing play, all kinds of things where people are experiencing all the pleasures and all the pain and all 
the power and all, you know, all the things that it can be deeply tantric because one, there's a, it, it can be very ritualistic. It can be like a celebration of, um, of connection of sexuality, but also there's this oneness there when you're deeply connected there and you're working together, you can feel like you're in this oneness vortex bubble. Um, and, and I thought that was really, really beautiful. And I think for a lot of people who hear tantra, they're like, la, 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 or spirituality and sex, you know, they might tune out because like, I know I want to keep my spirituality separate from sex. But when we're talking about that, it's, it's beyond like, you know, a God, or you're talking about faith, you're talking about oneness, you're talking about deep felt connection beyond just us as these individual bodies, which is so lonely and isolating, by the way, like, Mm -hmm. why not choose to, to access it from this other place? So does that kind of resonate with what you're talking about? Definitely, definitely. I feel like Tantra is the energetic component while kink is like that primal practice, right? There's the energetic component, there's a primal practice. And think about it, what we're doing is mortifying the body to achieve a higher state of being, right? So you have people who have historically self-flagellated, pierced, right? Punctured, bled, right? To attain a higher state of being. We're doing the same thing, right? It's, it's, it's a primal practice to get us more in touch with our instincts, our drives, right? And the best thing about kink is that it puts a process between urge and action, right? Without that, we call that sublimation, right? So if, if you have a guy who has a foot fetish, and you'll see this in Al Bundy, married with children, right? He's a foot fetishist, <laughs> right? He has a foot fetish. He doesn't want to talk to his wife. He doesn't want to talk to anybody. And then he sees a job. Oh, I can start selling shoes? Like, I need a job. Why not? Right? I, I can do that. And then he starts doing these things. And you've seen episodes with him doing inappropriate things with women's feet in his shop. Right? And he doesn't think he's doing anything. Right? But... The same thing, when we put negotiation in, we're putting a process in between urge and action. When we talk about safe words, we're putting a process in between urge and action. We're not going into this willy-nilly. That's another component. When we look at mortification, there's a purpose behind the mortification because the whatever faith they're a part of says, here's the practice, here's the meditation, here's the prayer, here's the way your body's supposed, here's when you know you're going too far. Now do the practice, and when the chanting is done, you're done. Or when you've reached this point, it's over. We do the same thing when we go into the space of, uh, what's your safe word? What's negotiation? Uh, there's, we're going to play for an hour, and then we're going to stop, and then we're check in. We have all those breaks. When you don't, when you're trying to do kink or deviate without those specific processes, it can go horribly wrong. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. And so we can see them likened to other mortifications. We can see them other uh, spiritual practices all being one thing. This is just the most sensational. I feel like you're the um, master that like you have like jumped in the, the matrix of kink, right? <laughs> it's like you can see all the things capture the bullets right. mid flight. And uh, it's I, I mean, that's just my analogy. I was like, wow, you really have this like the foundation to mm. the roof of the home to the trees planted about mm-hmm. this, this uh, like the, the dominance and the kink world. And of course, I'm sure you're a, a student as well with all of the things because nothing is ever linear. The most humble teachers are still students. They, uh, of course, yeah. of course. Yeah. Um, and that is not a question. That was just my observation. <laughs> yeah. so, uh, so because you are so knowledgeable and have been deep in this work and this practice, um, uh, can you share any, la- and you have so much to share. And of course, <laughs> we, we are going to let folks know how to work with you because you are so incredible. Uh, can you just share any last minute juicy tips or um something uh, some more wisdom mm. with our listeners especially in, ter- in, in if they want to bring in more dominance and mm-hmm. m- most of our listeners and i don't want to generalize but i believe um from our from our knowledge they're a, a lot more beginners or intermediate folks mm-hmm. so um how can they if you have any tips for those folks you have shared some but any more yeah definitely <laughs> definitely i think one of the say one of the hardest things to do is to play without toys right these are all props and it's easy to hide behind the hitting the smacking the pulling the the process we really have to get into the presence 
How do I show up? How do I take a person who's just come home from work, right, who's, who's struggling with the kids, go into a bedroom and change the entire dynamic? One of the ways you can do that is actually with role play, right? Actually using, role, stepping into roles to help people get out of their heads and into a space. Now, I'm going to give you four keys to do successful role play, right? Well, first, outside of that, I forgot to set this up. Uh, first, find a role that's in line with your desires, right? If you're into uh, medical play, be a doctor or a patient, right? If you're, if you're into, you know, stringent law or something like that, be a lawyer. If you like harsh punishment, be a, gu- a guard or a, a warden. Whatever it is, find something that's in line with your desires. Then use this acronym, LAMP, Language, Attire, Mannerisms, Presence, right? You have to use the language that the character would use. You have to dress in the attire that the person would use. You have to display the mannerisms that that person would have. And then you have to be completely present in the role. Right. When you can do that, it's easier for a person to shift out of the reality and into the fantasy. It's it's like if I'm wearing jeans and a T-shirt, yeah, I'm speaking in a Victorian tone. It's like it's not congruent. Right. I have to put on something reminiscent of that. Right. So I have the language and the attire. But I can't just have the attire. I also have to have the mannerisms maybe of a French nobleman or what I think a king would wear or what I think a duke or marquis de Sade would have, right? And then I have to put on all the pomp, be present, drop completely in, make that eye contact, lead, guide, shift them through the space. And that way you can get more out of the role play, stepping into the role of a dominant character if you can't just be dominant yourself. Right. And it's important to note that you can start with the role. An archetype will emerge and it will harden into identity. That's how a kid who maybe uh, laid some pipe for a summer starts fine. Oh, I actually like this and I can get into it. And then they become a plumber. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. The role existed first and it's the it's role play until it becomes the role you play. Right. So I'm going to act like Mick Jagger, put on my crushed velvet bell bottoms. Yep. I'm going to fucking dance around and sing some Rolling Stones because that is who I would fantasize about being. But you know, what? such a badass. It's more than the singing, though. It's about that Jagger yeah. swagger, right? Performance. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's dancing around. He's like 90 years old. He's just like, yeah, he still got it. Yeah, man. Crush it. Show, it, it, it. show up. Move your body. You know, do the lip thing that he does, right? Do everything that is reminiscent of that person. I used to invoke Prince. Like, you know, when I was a kid, when I, was, when I wanted to get the ladies, you know what I mean? I would drop into my big Prince space and try and sing some of the songs and really drop into Prince because... For me, he was like my my sexual spirit animal. <laughs> I mean, like yeah. I invoke Purple Rain, Genius, Purple, that whole that oh my that god, whole movie. vibe. Yeah. And, oh my god. And you gotta think no I'm way. a big guy. Like this don't look good in high heels. <laughs> but for me, it helped me drop into the space so I can show up in that type of leadership role in that scene, right? Mm. And and as you can see, that was prior to this, but I wound up becoming this. I wound up dropping into the sexual space. It was role play until it was the role I played. Now I love being this. I, I mean, I get to live my Prince fantasies every day, you know, with all the clothes and all the, you know, the attire. And I, I may have three beautiful subs, you know what I mean? And two of them, you know, uh, two are here now. And I have my childhood sweetheart who sleeps in the other room. And I've got four other girlfriends. I'm living my best life. But it started because it started as a role and then it became my role. Hmm. Right. And it wasn't about the singing. It wasn't about the dancing. It was about the charisma. It was about the confidence. You know, it was also about the responsibility that I saw him take on, you know, because he led the whole show. You know, he was out front, but he was always with his band. He was always supporting his other members. You know, there was something with him as a leader that really rang out for me. So you have to find that for yourself 
when you're trying to step into that role of dominance? What is it that this character is bringing to this incident, incident uh, this instance, excuse me? And I like that part about authenticity, right? Like, so just because someone else is like your character that you'd like to take on would be Prince, isn't doesn't mean that that will apply to someone else. It's it's also like what's true to us. And I like you said that in the beginning, kind of feeling like what what do I really identify with, and and how how would I, can I take on that role? I thought you were going to commend me for Mick Jagger. Oh, Mick Jagger's <laughs> awesome. No, I, I commend. I, I, I want you. you to, I was would like, you be my Mick Jagger dom, please? That sounds really. Fun. I would what would do yeah, with Aerosmith. Awesome. I thought that would fit a little oh. more. Oh, Steven Tyler. Steven yeah. Tyler. And, yeah. and, and I'm talking hey. about come together over me, Steven Tyler. Oh, like when he was really shit. dirty and grinding the microphone and you know what I mean? Oh yeah. Super. That hair good- just and all the like all of the scarves hanging mm-hmm. off the microphone and uh, him like humping out the That's what I'm talking okay, about. Okay, all right. And it, Fair all those that's things, my dog humps. Yeah. For bondage, that's what the scarves are for, I'm quite sure. I just I've just yeah. always seen it like that. <laughs> just really in the bondage that's what's going on there they feel nice on the wrist and all those things too they do so our, so our listeners probably are like how do I get more of Orpheus in my life how do I learn more from this wonderful teacher who will always be a student mm. um, so how can people find you learn from you work with you what kind of offerings do you have we want all the links all the things <laughs> and oh, oh and you have a quiz too oh, right? yes quiz. I do have yeah. a, a, again this is for as you say cock owners uh, we're, we're having more tests coming out and this is a dominant architect type assessment tape it's a test it's based on Jungian principles and uh, you can go to my website and fill it out 100% free and it will give you the dominant archetype that you most identify with and on the bottom it will give the one that you least identify with so not only what you're already doing but what you should be striving toward right Mm. so it's great so you can go to orpheusblack.com Look on the main page and just click Dominant Archetype Assessment Test, and that's something you can do. You can also take one-on-one classes via Zoom with me, and, uh, you know, those are great classes. We got great eight-week classes, and we have also intensives. So you can do month-long intensives with me and then meet me in person for scenes and for hands-on coaching for either you or you and your partner. And Wait, this is all through your website? All through my website. Find you? Oh, yeah. Okay. Orpheusblack.com. We'll, we'll make sure we post that uh, yeah. on our show notes uh, in, on our website. I love quizzes. I love quizzes, <laughs> too, because you learn a lot about yourself, and sometimes you aren't necessarily understanding those portions of yourself, or maybe it is clear to you, but I always learn something when I take these kinds of quizzes. So, yeah. Um, but as a Oh, is this only for penis owners, you said, or cock owners? It That's lands, calling you if you have a rooster. It, <laughs> it lands harder for people who are cock owners, right? Uh, but I also tell people, like, if you take it and then just go all the way to the end and read the archetypes to see, like, the four versions of dominance, you know, and see what you could be looking for in a partner. It gives you great insight into the psyche of leadership of dominant individuals. And you can also see the shadow side, like how, like maybe some warning signs of bad behavior or bad domination. Wow. That's incredible. Thank Mm -hmm. you so much Mm -hmm. Orpheus for being here with us, for sharing your wisdom. And if you haven't accessed this podcast is also available on YouTube. (laughs) Y'all we are building up so you can see the man right here mm-hmm. behind the curtain. It's not a curtain at all, but you, know, <laughs> you can actually see him the as screen? well as his beautiful flogging, paddling room, the bat cave. I make but all those, by the velvet way. Pillows. Just saying. Oh, wow. So if anybody's wow. interested, you, I make all that. I make everything. Collars. Awesome. Specialty. Oh, is it on your... It's on your website too. No, uh, specialty special owned. Okay, specialty owned. Oh. <laughs> I just keep it. I love. I just love hanging out with you. I don't yeah. want you to go. But <laughs> like I have two subs waiting for me. Can we come over me. to your house right now? Yeah, right? We'll, we'll be there. Soon. Anytime. Yeah. You know what? And my wife is a chef, so if you ever come over, I will do dinner. I will do you know some kind of lobster or something like that. Well, we'll do a really we'll high end wine. Meal. Yeah, you. Got- we shall bring the yeah. wine, yeah. Orpheus. It, okay. With your new sponsor, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. well, actually, she, Margins Wine has been a sponsor for almost three years mm. now, since almost the beginning. Uh, this podcast has been out since 2017, and we love Megan Bell, who is the vintner, as they say. Maybe that's what I'll embody in my when I'm doing my uh, role play. I'll be like, I'm a vintner, stepping on these grapes yes. right here. Yes. Naked. But I don't think Megan Step does on it. My grapes. She's Step definitely on stepping grapes. on grapes with clothes on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but if you want to check out why Amy and I love Margins Wine, go. Go to Margins 
Wine.com. She is small batch boutique wine, very eloquently made. And uh, actually, she's in Santa Cruz, and we love supporting our local winemakers. So uh, if you want to save some money, too, who doesn't want to save some money? You go to Shameless Sex 10 when you uh, check out with three or more bottles, and you'll save 10%. Shameless Sex 15 will save you 15% off six or more bottles. Marginwine.com. Just sign up for the newsletter, y'all. All right, Orpheus. That was my last bit of things before I say adieu Mm. to you. And I know we will see you soon because you're just an absolute joy. And we're coming over for lobster. And we're coming over for lobster. (laughs) I can't wait for that. So thank you all for being part of the Shameless Sex Revolution. We'll see you next Tuesday. Ciao for now. Want to learn more? Go to shamelesssex.com. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use code shamelesssex at purepleasureshop.com.